Welcome to That's What She Said, a podcast of sermons at Galileo Christian Church, Disciples of Christ. Galileo exists to seek and shelter spiritual refugees, who for us are people for whom the church has become boring, irrelevant, exclusive, or even painful, especially people who have been pushed out because of their gender or sexuality. If you yourself are a spiritual refugee, we're especially glad you're listening. And if you find this podcast helpful in your theological rehabilitation, consider partnering with us in its production. Become a financial sponsor of That's What She Said on Patreon, a platform for supporting content you love. Thanks! Hi, church. Hey. My name is Deanne. My pronouns are she, her. Um, as Katie said earlier, um, right now, I'm the interim pastor for Inside Out. Um, I just want to say to the Inside Out folks, you guys have been amazing tonight. You remain flexible. And they've all pretty much stayed, so that's awesome, yeah. (laughs) Um, So tonight begins a seven-week sermon series on the Christian virtues, faith, hope, and love, um, based on the classical text, 1 Corinthians 13. Um, Faith, hope, and love, as we all know, are intertwined together. It's hard to have one without the other. Um, But there might be seasons in our life where one comes to the surface a little bit more than one of the other virtues might. Um, We probably would have begun the series uh, with 1 Corinthians 13, but um, like Katie was saying earlier, due to schedules and some other things that still ended up changing, um, we're going to start off tonight with Genesis 22. And with the example of faith that we see with Abraham and Abraham's trust that God will fulfill God's promises, even as God asked Abraham to relinquish the fulfillment of that promise. The text does come with a content consideration regarding child abuse, so take care of yourself as you feel you need to, okay? So Genesis 22, 1 through 14. After these things, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. God said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I shall show you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled to his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. He cut the wood for the burnt offering and set out and went to the place in the distance that God had shown him. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place far away. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife, and the two of them walked on together. Isaac said to his father, Abraham, Father, and he said, Here I am, my son. He said, The fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God's God's own self will provide the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. And the two of them walked on together. When they came to the place that God had shown him, Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to kill his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. 
And Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Imagine with me for a minute, Abraham. By this time, Abraham is over 100 years old. Maybe he's hunched over. He's a little arthritic. His skin's leathered by the sun. Imagine Abraham holding on tight to the hand of his son Isaac as they go about their daily life. The light's beginning to soften as dusk is settling in. Maybe he's teaching Isaac the family business, explaining to him how to care for their livestock. But, but maybe Isaac cares more about petting the family cow than listening to his dad explain the significance of seasons for planting and harvesting. Or Isaac could be asking question after question after question, as a lot of kids often do, his curiosity taking over. Maybe Abraham at this time is enjoying life with the fulfillment of God's promise walking by his side, resting in God's provision, his faith in God at an all-time high. Maybe he is feeling safe and secure, and as many of us tend to do when life is good, maybe Abraham begins to reflect on the full and very eventful life he lived long before Isaac was born. Reflecting on his status as a refugee with a questionable religious past, Abraham was an unlikely candidate to become the father of a new nation. Leaving out some of the details and filler information as scripture often does, God's relationship with Abraham begins abruptly and moves quickly, starting in Genesis 12. God tells Abraham to move away from his home, promises to create a nation out of his offspring, promises to give Abraham land, land that is already occupied by another group of people, but will eventually be home to God's future nation. So with his wife, Sarah, and other extended family, including his nephew, Lot, Abraham does what God asks. Then there's a famine that lands Abraham and his wife, Sarah, in Egypt, looking for food and provisions. Abraham remembers fearing for his life. Assuming Pharaoh will snatch Sarah up for himself anyway, Abraham basically hands her over to him, claiming she is his sister. God gets angry, afflicts Pharaoh with some plagues. Pharaoh gets angry and kicks Abraham and his family out of Egypt. Then there's the family drama that turned toxic, as a lot of family drama often does, leading to Abraham's split from his nephew Lot. Later on, his nephew is kidnapped, and of course, being the good uncle he is, Abraham comes to the rescue. Then Sarah, suffering from severe doubt, offers up her servant Hagar to Abraham. Hagar gives birth to Ishmael, after which God shows up, promising Sarah will also give birth, to which Sarah has a good chuckle over. Then Isaac is born, and eventually Hagar and Ishmael are sent away. These are just some of the highlights of Abraham's life. There are also more covenants, promises, name changes, lies, altars built, and last but not least, the circumcisions of Abraham and his men thrown in for good measure. Yeah. 
You would think after all these intense experiences, Abraham would be due for a respite, a pause in his narrative, a rest from the moving around, a rest from the conflict, and a rest from the drama. But maybe not just a rest, but also a resting in. Resting in the trust that God's covenant to make him a great nation is beginning to come to life. Resting in the safety and security of a God who, yes, had asked hard things of Abraham, but has remained present, leading, and providing. And resting in the knowledge that he, Abraham, had kept his faith in God most of the time and was beginning to reap the benefits of doing so. But guess what? Like all of us whose stories continue on after the drama and the trauma and other life-changing events, Abraham's story continued to unfold. As Genesis 22:1 tells us, after these things. The text also tells us God was about to test Abraham, and Abraham's life for a moment was going to be shaken up in a different way. Still holding on tight to the son he had been promised and that God had delivered, still holding on tight to the hopes and dreams he has for his son and his family. Abraham was holding on tight to the living embodiment of the commitment God had made to him. God was upholding God's end of the deal, and Abraham was living out his, so what could possibly happen to threaten this now? And then a familiar voice called Abraham's name. Now God and Abraham had chatted before. This wasn't new. Leave your family, here's the land I will give you, go to Egypt, you're going to be a great nation one day, Sarah's going to have a baby. Abraham knew God's voice and had placed his faith in God each time he was asked to do something or told something that seemed impossible. Because of the many Sunday school lessons I heard as a child about this narrative, the five-year-old in me remembers being told Abraham was asleep when God called his name and that Abraham dramatically rose from his bed and proclaimed with flair and boldness, here I am. As an adult, I imagine Abraham moving through his day, checking off his daily tasks, looking up and quietly saying, here I am. Without skipping a beat, God drops the bomb. God tells Abraham to take his son Isaac to a God-designated location and offer him as a burnt offering. Or to put it another way, God tells Abraham to take his hopes and dreams, the fulfillment of God's own promise, place them on an altar, and snuff them out. The text doesn't tell us what Abraham was thinking or feeling, only that he seems to, without question, makes preparations for the journey. But what about the agony the anger and the grief Abraham must have been feeling. To be given a child only to have the God you have placed your faith in time and again and took many risks for snatch him from you. And where was Sarah? Did Abraham tell her what God had told him to do? Did she ask where he was taking Isaac and why? Isaac was also her promise and her son. Did Abraham pick up on the irony he was cutting the wood for his son's sacrifice and carrying the fire and the knife that would end Isaac's life? What about the two servants Abraham took with him on the trip? Can you imagine the whispers between the two? Have you seen the lamb? Nope. Have you? No. What's his plan? Is he crazy? You can't have a burnt offering without a lamb. After about three days, the group finally arrives at the location God had instructed Abraham to travel to. Leaving the servants behind, they began to make preparations for the offering. 
holding on tight to the hand of his father, his provider, his protector, who he loved and trusted, and carrying on his shoulders the wood for the offering, Isaac is the only one who asks out loud the challenging question of where is the lamb? Did Isaac sense something more was going on? Father, Isaac says, here I am, Abraham replies for a second time. Where is the lamb for the burnt offering? I imagine with grief in his heart and fighting to hold back the tears, Abraham said, God himself will provide the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. Was Abraham at all sensing this was a test? Was he reconciling himself to the fact Isaac was the lamb? Or was he secretly mustering up as much faith as he could and choosing to believe God would provide another sacrifice for the offering, hoping beyond hope for a way out of a desperate situation? Where was God? God instructs Abraham to do something that is so gut-wrenching and unimaginable and then exits the story. Was God quietly watching? Did God see the hurt, the anguish, the vulnerability and confusion Abraham may have been experiencing? Did Abraham wonder where God was? Prepping the altar for the burnt offering, the text tells us Abraham bound Isaac and laid him on the altar. The text doesn't tell us if Isaac put up a fight. It's hard to imagine he didn't. It's hard to imagine that as a child he would have simply laid there and become a willing offering, but maybe he did. Regardless, Abraham picks up the knife to kill Isaac, and it's in that moment Abraham hears the familiar voice again. Abraham, Abraham, God calls his name twice this time. Abraham replies again, here I am. It is then God tells Abraham to back off of Isaac and not to harm him. He has proven himself faithful because he did not withhold Isaac from God. I think through my tears of relief while quickly untying Isaac before God changes God's mind and while holding my chest, I might have been asking myself or even God, what the hell? The story doesn't end there, but with the appearance of a ram, God provides to replace Isaac as the burnt offering. Abraham then named the spot the Lord will provide. There are different ways we could break down this story and Abraham's experience. There's always the question of how could God be so cruel as to ask Abraham to murder his own child? We could talk about how commitment and service to God requires us to be willing to give up everything we love that matters to us. Those are good points to be made, but is that all? What if this story is also about God's presence in a world that is so desperate right now? What if this story is also about God's witness and connection to our vulnerability and distress? What if this story is about God intervening on humanity's behalf so God's faithfulness, love, and provision can be reflected back into a society that desperately needs what God has to offer not what we have to offer, but what God has to offer through us. Through the hard and sometimes dangerous work of welcoming all to the table of our Lord, through the hard and sometimes dangerous work of standing up for the vulnerable and the marginalized, the God of love, not hate, the God of inclusion, not exclusion, the God of peace, not chaos, the God of safety, not fear, what this God has to offer our world. The story is also about Jehovah Jireh, our God who provides. Maybe not in the big and bold, let me replace your child with a ram for this sacrifice I'm demanding of you kind of provision, 
but in the tangible ways that God meets us right where we are and when we need God most. The story is also about the risky nature of placing our faith in God. Faith isn't easy, and we're kidding ourselves if we think otherwise. It's complex, it's tricky, it can be scary, and depending on your spiritual background, faith can be a loaded word. So what if this story is about God showing the world through Abraham that while there is a risk in having faith in something we cannot understand, and even when our hopes seem threatened, you still look up with faith, I still look up with faith, Galileo still looks up with faith, in anticipation of God's presence and provision and giving God our full attention, we continue to say like Abraham, here I am. Amen. Thanks for listening to That's What She Said. If what you've heard is helpful, consider becoming a patron of its production by joining our subscribers on Patreon. This podcast is preached almost always by our lead evangelist, Reverend Dr. Katie Hayes. Galileo Church has five missional priorities. We do justice for LGBTQ plus people and support the people who love them. We do kindness around mental health and mental illness, and we celebrate neurodiversity. We do beauty for our God who is beautiful. We do real relationship, no bullshit, ever. And we do whatever it takes to share this good news with the world God still loves. To support our missional priorities, go to GalileoChurch.org and click on Share With Us. You'll have options to contribute through Venmo, PayPal, or your bank account. And if you're kind enough to share your contact information with us, we'll continually send you thanks. Peace. Peace.